We live in troubling times, political, cultural, and church fighting at every turn. We live in a society that is simply upside wrong, where what was once wrong is right, and what was once right is wrong. Where are the Lord's quality leaders? Where are our modern-day Nehemiahs? Do they exist? We need sound teachers who present accurate facts as they relate to Scripture, who are clear and free from meaningless clichés and relevant to our current events. You know, men and women like Nehemiah, our study, Hand Me My Sword, sets out to present realistic observations to present culture while evaluating how each applies to the eschatological truths contained in the Old and New Testaments. In the book of Nehemiah, the man who led God's people is presented in three roles. Early in the book, he is the cupbearer of the king, a servant. Midway through the story, he is a builder of the wall. In the third part of the book, he is governor of the city and surrounding sections of Jerusalem. He was a true and authentic leader of God. Hand Me My Sword is framed within the emphasis of using one hand to rebuild while keeping the sword of the Spirit in the other. We are praying that this mini-series blesses you beyond measure, so let's get started with our lesson for today. joining Hand Me My Sword. We're on number seven in our series. We're revealing the ancient prophecies stated in the Old Testament. We're presently on the book of Nehemiah. We're going verse by verse and extracting absolutely as much as we can from this book. Today's message is called Going to the Front Line. Let's look at our overview for today. Going to the front line of battle is essential for victory. Hiding behind a bush or staying away from where the battle is is not going to accomplish the mission of winning the battle. Understanding that the battle is real is critical. I'm always amazed at how many people that are walking the face of the earth do not believe that there is a spiritual realm that has a drawn sword against the Jews and the Christians. In fact, it's a bit shocking for me. 
Just because we can't see this world does not mean that we're going to have to engage in it. Fearing the enemy is a confession that the enemy is more powerful than Christ. There's only two kinds of fear. One is the fear of the Lord thy God, which is the beginning of knowledge and holiness. The other kind is punitive, kind of fear that actually traps the person to reject the love of God. In fact, John told us that in fear there is punishment. So we'll spend some time talking about that today. Never address the enemy personally. When I pray, I don't talk to Satan. I talk to my God. In fact, I do not reference Satan personally in any prayers that I offer up before God. If God wants to address him personally, that's his call. Then finally, we're going to review the details behind rebuilding our walls, demand submission to God as the priority. Let's take a look at our weekly scripture. It's out of Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 10 through 14. Thus in Judah it was said, The strength of the burden bearers is falling, yet there is much rubbish, and we ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. Our enemies said they will not know or see until we come among them kill them, and put a stop to the work. When the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times, they will come up against us from every place where you may turn. Then I stationed men in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall and exposed places, and I stationed the people in families with their swords, spears, and bows. When I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. One of the most critical elements Nehemiah watched for was his workers losing the strength of the burden or rebuilding while observing the reality that there is a remaining devastation at hand. Since Nehemiah was in tune with the Jews who are unable to rebuild through their failing strength, he knew intuitively that their strength was to be found in the joy of the Lord. Furthermore, noting that the average Jew was hearkening to the inner beliefs of Babylon, I call this the battle of the voices. The battle that was beyond the enemy fronting their walls. Keep in mind that these Jews had been in bondage to Babylon for over a generation. Those Babylonian beliefs, practices, many of those were embedded into the way they functioned on a daily basis. The entire time Nehemiah's workers were rebuilding, their enemy was not far off, mocking their efforts and their God. Nehemiah, knowing this, stationed warriors at the parts of the wall that had been 
in the process of being rebuilt. When he placed these warriors in place, he quickly noticed fear on the faces of each. What did he tell them? Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. The wisdom of God in Nehemiah implored the weak Jews to focus on the might of the Lord. That works through them, by the way. Secondly, he reminded them of this battle is for, first, the Lord God, and then to fight for your brothers, sons, daughters, wives, and houses. That sealed the deal. Energy filled them, and they began to guard the openings with the power of God and the strength that comes with protecting what was theirs. Let's look at going to the front line. Whenever we go to the front lines, where the enemy lives and breathes, he is bound to try to chase us away. Do not submit to his deceptive ideas and lies. Like there is no time, this level of combat isn't necessary, these are only words. We can put this off because we already have too many things to do, or we're tired or too sick, or that we are already struggling with worries, doubts, and fears that will prevent us from completing our pathway of deliverance. We should push through it all and respond like warriors. That, of course, is done through rejecting the mockery and lies. This is what Nehemiah and his Jews realized. Let's be honest. Some people experience terrifying feelings of guilt, terrifying spells of panic and depression, which I call oppression, in many cases. If any of these symptoms occur to the point of paralyzing you from remaining on the front lines... You will need a spiritual mentor. You know, men with men, women with women, who understand the balance of warfare. They'll need to pray over you and oftentimes stand with you at the wall. Remember, fear is the fire from the dragon's mouth. It is his primary tool of intimidation. It may scorch a few hairs, but don't worry, it's only hot air. Like I said before, never address Satan personally. Do not talk to him. Another warning. Avoid becoming preoccupied with Satan and his domain. Have you ever wondered why people are intrigued with movies, video games, music based on darkness? One of the games that the enemy plays is creating an unhealthy fascination with his work. Many people are caught up in giving more attention and credit to the enemy than they are to God. I call this a demon behind every bush mentality. It is common for those struggling with satanic affliction to be preoccupied with the enemy due to their level of temptation obsession, 
negative thoughts. However, one must take special caution to keep their eyes upon Jesus. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Well-trained Christians in the word and spirit will not fear Satan or his scheme. They only glance at his works just long enough to readjust their plans of defense. Let's review the battle is real. The Christian is engaged in a spiritual battle, even if they ignore the reality thereof. Satan and his spiritual forces are on the battle line waiting for us each day. A believer does not choose his engagement in this battle. It awaits him each day, and there is no way to get around it. If you are saved and have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're in whether you like it or not. Be alert and sober. For your enemy, Satan, roams around the earth seeking whom he may devour, and that includes you. So are you battle ready? If not, don't panic. This series will equip and ready you for taking on the challenges he and his demonic influence have to offer. Be a Nehemiah type. If you're clueless, go to the one who isn't. The Lord our God. Believers are being awakened to the reality that their fight in rebuilding their walls is not against flesh and blood, but the powers of darkness and the principalities of the air. Read more about that in Ephesians chapter 6. So many Christians today are deceived into thinking that what they see is what they battle. In reality, It is opposite of that. It is in what you don't see that you battle. As the Lord draws near, we can be assured that our battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil will intensify. But it might be a wise thing for you to do, to ask, where does that world, flesh, and the devil stuff come from? It is in exactly what that passage revealed, in powers of darkness. Worldly ideas of pop psychology will increase your ability to face the enemy. Well, that's a madness method that most refuse to realize. Stop turning toward drugs, medication, self-ideas, worldly fables called philosophies of men. God is calling each of his children to call upon him and he will deliver according to his divine truth and will. If God's sovereignty drops his hedge of protection temporarily by chance, accept his reasons, which are typically for training in spiritual warfare. Qualified leaders in Christ understand the importance of allowing the enemy to win a few blows to build that young warrior in applying what he has been taught. Untested knowledge and training are mute if it is not tested. Now let's review fear of fronting the enemy. Fear of fronting the enemy has held most believers back 
from boldly going before God's throne regarding the enemy's temptations and afflictions. Remember, Satan could care less about you. He's after God. God's greatest servants have always shared an appreciation of the magnificent power of the Holy Spirit through prayer and the complete victory over Satan's kingdom available to all believers through the mighty person and work of Jesus Christ who lives within us. The book of Ephesians in the New Testament is the handbook on spiritual warfare and prayer. Get to know this book as a handbook. The believer's emphasis in prayer must be upon a biblical and sound doctrinal approach to this subject. The Word of God recognizes that we encounter the three faces of Satan, the world, the flesh, and the devil. When a person becomes born again, their relationship to everything in the physical, spiritual, mental, and emotional world completely changes. Since a believer is a citizen of heaven, he is given the power to face the enemy toe-to-toe, if necessary. Scary? Well, look at it this way. Either we face him head-on, or he will consistently and constantly be nipping at our heels, eating away our lives a little at a time. To resist limited power of the enemy, one must submit to God's unlimited power from within. Then resist the evil one, and he will flee. It is a promise given to us by God. Read James chapter 4 verse 7. The proof is right there. Because our newfound relationship with God, all believers are marked targets for the attack from God's enemy. Understanding that while we tire, he is relentless in his attacks. Believers must embrace the truth that the Father has given them, a defense system, the power of the Holy Spirit, which is our sword of defense. Furthermore, we must not depend upon feeling and experiences as evidence of our being strong enough to pray. The power and ability to pray boldly are based upon an objective fact and not upon subjective feelings. The power of prayer is to be appropriated by faith and faith alone. Let's review the five phases of effectual prayers. Number one, personal reflection and confession. Now it's not wrong to confess your sins before Christ in a new covenant way. That's honesty. You do lay your sins at Jesus' feet. But don't ask him to forgive you. Claim the forgiveness he already gave to you many years ago. Number two, praise, thanksgiving, and adoration. After you're done offering up your thankful heart before the Lord, then number three, you can move into aligning yourself with the new covenant. When we pray, new covenant is accepting what already exists for us. 
Old Covenant type of prayers is begging God for new thing. Huge difference. Number four, prayers of supplication. This is when you plead before God about your children or about your spouse or your neighbor. He loves to hear our supplication. Finally, don't finish that prayer time until you worship and offer him affirmation, which he turns around and offers you the same affirmation of what already is true about you. Let's review the primary principles in our study. The first one is frontline. It is not a place for fear, but rather an attitude of victory. Number two, the battle is real. Ignoring the reality of battle welcomes defeat, plain and simple. Three, fear. Fear is the enemy's initial goal of an attack. He bases everything he does on fear. Finally, number four, identity. Knowing your identity in Christ is your strength to endure the battle. In conclusion, there are few areas of life in which we live or work that we do not come ready, equipped, to do the work we were enrolled to do. However, most Christians today do not step into their job assignments given to them by their spiritual leaders. Why is this? Folks, it's simple. Money. If we aren't paid to do a task, typically we don't do them. Years ago, I asked a young man who was rarely completing the assignments I gave to him. And I said, if I paid you $500 a month to honor and do your assignments, would you do them? He, without hesitation, said, absolutely. All these years later, I'm watching him implode into a wealthy man who lacks honor and spiritual authority. One of my mentors, Hudson Taylor, once said this, It is possible to move men through God by prayer alone. While he was acute in his statement, fact is, as a leader or follower, you will come to a place where those in authority over you are beyond your self-power to resist. You see, the power of God is manifested and demonstrated through God's ordained leaders. So when believers become lazy in honoring and obeying God's governing authorities, they do this deplorable deed unto God. Jesus even said that as well. What they do unto you, they do unto me first. Not only that, their walls will be filled with holes or should I say doors for the enemy to come to dine at their table. Coming up next in number eight, the work resume. In that particular episode, we're going to be reviewing how Nehemiah upgraded his plan of defense and how willing he was to keep upgrading to conquer his mission. God always makes use of existing authority. Boy, that is clearly laid out for us in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah had many authority figures that he had to deal with. 
But the two major ones was the living God himself, which is where he was getting his orders, and then he had to deal with the king, and he had to handle the king in a very careful fashion. But the bottom line is God always makes use of existing authority to accomplish his will. We're going to review how the human norm is that most people are annoyed by immovable authority figures. I'm pretty sure that Nehemiah had to deal with that as well. We'll also review the beauty of waiting. Waiting on God's response is the golden key that will continue to empower your mission. Finally, in that episode, we're going to talk about God's honor and how he honors godly men and their plan. But the golden key with that one is, we make the plans, but God says, I get to direct your steps. Well, we'll spend some time talking about that one. Thank you for joining us today. It's an honor. And we hope that you will continue with us as we unfold the power of ancient prophecies throughout the Old Testament. Until next time. When he sees a soul passionately reaching for, not I but Christ, he is quick to release himself through the believer. As you might know, in our culture today, like Nehemiah being quick to call for help, a kind of help that was far beyond his own understanding and certainly beyond humanity, we need to do the exact same thing today. But the difference is Nehemiah did not have a spirit from within to release. But true authentic born-again Christians today has that ability to release the true weapon against the enemy. Coming up next is 07, going willingly to the front line. We're going to be discussing how important it is for believers today to have a willing heart to go to the front line of battle, that is, if they truly want victory. Also, we're going to review understanding that that battle is real. You and I cannot see the spiritual warfare battle with our eyes, but our soul can certainly sense evil and the presence of the enemy all around us. We'll review fearing the enemy is a confession that the enemy is more powerful than Christ. That's almost disgusting to say, but it's true. People who are bound by fear are involved in punishment. That's exactly what the Word of God tells us. Fear involves punishment. They don't know or refuse to accept the authentic, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Because in love there is no fear. And if there is fear, that fear better be fear of the living God. We'll review never addressing the enemy personally. The only time I use one of his names is when I am pinning him down about what he's doing. But I don't talk to him directly. I don't use this modern way of addressing the enemy by using his name. 
I simply leave that up to Jesus to do that kind of thing. I remember the passage in Jude where Satan was challenging the archangel, Michael, and was wrangling words with him about Moses' death. And Michael's response was, basically, I'm not going to deal with you. I am not going to speak to you. And then he kicked it over to the triune of God to rebuke him. We're going to talk about that technique and secret that shouldn't be so secret in battling the enemy day to day without giving him any credit. Finally, we'll deal with rebuilding our walls demand submission to God as the priority. Thank you for joining us today. It's been a huge blessing. We hope that you continue on in our series as we unfold the power of ancient prophecy in the Old Testament. Until next time. <laughs>